0: This is She Sparks Tech, a podcast about women who take technology to heart in their careers. We will explore stories about women who think creatively, find new directions, solve problems, and chase passions all through technology. I'm your host, Casey Bertelsman, and I'm excited about showcasing amazing women in their careers. From dreams to the unexpected, in hopes of inspiring each of us to think bigger. Today's episode is a discussion with Caitlin Sanchez. She started her career at Bridgers and Paxton, which is the company I currently work at, and I met her briefly at Autodesk University when I attended with a group from work, and she was giving a presentation. Her first experiences at Bridgers and Paxton laid the groundwork for the work she now does in coordination and clash clash detection. With that said, we will jump right on in. Caitlin, can you give a rundown of your current position and what brought you here to it?
1: Uh, Yeah, so... I work for a company on the East Coast. Their their name is McVeigh and Mangum Engineers. Um, It's actually an engineering firm, but um, my specific department is on the construction and facilities management side. Uh, So I am what they call a VDC BIM FM coordinator. So I do all the virtual design and construction, um, all the way from um, the tail end of design through construction to facilities management. So I I build everything all cool in 3D, and I make sure that it's constructible, and I find the problems before they happen on the job site.
0: Always a good way to to take that on, Mm -hmm. much easier. Um, Did you have a specific education that led you to this role? Was it relevant? Uh,
1: Well, uh, yes and no, uh, you know, now, I mean, they offer actual degrees for, you know, VDC and BIM coordination. Um, but at the time when I was going to school, it was for the architectural design and drafting technology associates degree, um, in applied sciences. So, uh, at the, what got me into that was uh, when I was in high school, I did, uh, woodworking, um, and I was part of an organization called Skills USA. And in Skills USA, you basically practice a skill, and I fell into the category of cabinet making when I did woodworking in high school. So, as I, you know, in uh, multiple occasions, I competed. Uh, at the state level for cabinet making. I competed my junior year, then my senior year I won state, and then took off to uh, nationals and competed nationally for that. And then when I was uh, in college, I decided to pursue um, the degree I described. And But I also did like furniture making and all that stuff as um, those extra courses that you're able to take. And so they convinced me to compete again on the Skills USA level. Um, for cabinet making. And so I won again the state level um for the college um side of things, the post secondary and competed at nationals again. And uh it, it I've always had a love for building things, but when it came to actually deciding what to do in the industry, it was I would rather design it than build it. So Um, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, if you have other further.
0: No, that, that was a great story. Do you still do woodworking at all? I, I,
1: I, mean, I don't really, I mean, I do little stuff here and there. Like, I mean, you know, I built my desk at home and then I built the shelving behind us and, um, with you know i (laughs) i have a husband that can do everything so i tend to kind of leave him to do that now um but uh but you know like i mean i build various things um you know i'm i'm really big on the whole the design side now i mean building was just kind of the hobby of mine and then now it's on the back end of actually doing it virtually but having that background of being able to build and construct things on my own gave me a good advantage of knowing okay, so I can see how this is going to be put together, um, you know, visually. And so Mm -hmm. being able to describe that in a 3D world was a lot easier um, for me, you know. And so that's kind of where it all led. And um, that's how I actually started out at Bridgers and Paxton. They brought me in as their BIM coordinator with the intentions of moving me on to mechanical design. So through my seven, almost eight years of being at Bridgers and Paxton, I did the BIM coordination and helped you guys produce a lot of your structure and stuff with Revit with Ron Ballmer, you know, up up until, you know, I also did the mechanical design. With Robert Meter over there, so I did. That was kind of a really good starting base point for me over those years, and then got scooped up to HB Construction, Uh, and they're that they're a pretty big GC, you know, Southwest out here, and um, I was known as their VDC coordinator over there. So now I'm taking what had been designed and now making sure that it's constructible in the field. Um, and that was pretty cool, being able to be a part of some of those designed projects and then becoming a part of the construction side of those, some of those same projects as well. So that was neat. as I worked at HB, I was there for a couple years, um, and HB had created a subsidiary company called CSTI, which our department moved over to CSTI to continue the BIM consulting and coordination and um, you know uh, standards developments things like that um, for a while. And then uh, CVE, Cache Valley Electric, based, they're based out of Utah. Um, they scoot, I, I had presented at Autodesk University um, the year prior. And so they had saw my presentation and they ended up scooping me up and, and uh, asking me to join their team. So I was there for about a year and a half um, working on some big data centers for some major social media companies. And uh, so I, I did that for uh, probably about a year and a half. And then <laughs> and then this company, McVeigh and Mangum, they scooped me up uh, back in March of this year, because they, again, had saw some of my presentations that AU and um, and now they their intentions was to hire me fully remote, never the intention of having me move. So here I am now working for an engineering <laughs> firm, but the department I work for works on the construction side. So I don't do any engineering or design like that anymore. It's strictly you know consulting, coordination, uh, process and workflows, uh, you know that type of stuff.
0: Yeah, so. that's it's always great to be. In demand and have the skills that people want and have opportunities available. Yeah, and
1: each place that I have been at. I have always been very happy in and never intended to leave. Um, But, you know, it i am the type of person that likes to continue my education and continue moving forward. So I feel like I tell people, they laugh at me, I'm like, well, my role in the industry changes just as much as the technology improves and keeps moving. So, and which is true. Like, I feel like every time I'm moving on to a, you know, a bigger and better thing for myself, it's, you know, it's mainly to keep up with the technology and keep moving forward with that. And, uh, Yeah, but I've never had the intention of actually leaving somewhere. I've been recruited each time. So I'm like, people are gonna start questioning my resume. Be like, why are you moving so much? I'm like, I'm not moving on purpose.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great new learning opportunities and leadership roles and everything else that goes into it that's probably played a part too.
1: mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then um, it was definitely different going from uh, working for a local company in New Mexico um, you know, the Bridgers and and HB Construction, CSTI, those companies uh, to moving to a company that's out of state because you develop a reputation for yourself when you're local and then you get to know, you know, everyone in the industry and you kind of become in the same close-knit circle. But as soon as I moved to being an out-of-state employee, it's now you're rebuilding your your reputation in a different way. Um, So that's the interesting thing. Um, And then especially now with everything, all the craziness going on in COVID and then that I'm fully remote, it's um, uh, not being face-to-face with a lot of people every day. That's definitely been a challenge, but um, it's learning how to talk to people in a completely different manner.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I think there's probably the... The bonus side to it right now is almost everyone's doing that. So everyone's making that transition. It's not just you and you can all learn how to do it together instead of being odd man out.
1: Right, which is which is the good thing, you know, because like that's where the industry has gone, um, whether everyone liked it or not. But um it's the increase on the communication level has been insane. But I like to talk so it doesn't really affect me too much in that sense. But these Zoom meetings are nice it's because you still get to see somebody like as a face (laughs) instead of just by sound
0: (laughs) yeah I always try to at least have like my picture attached to it so maybe my camera is not working that day or it's not you know my house is destroyed and I can't show you you, but you can see what I look like still
1: (laughs) right (laughs) oh
0: So, what kind of softwares do you see yourself using almost every day or every week in Ooh. your work?
1: Okay, so the the coolest thing about where I'm at now is my director, um, Jacob Dialbra. He's um, he is a Big advocate of trying new and upcoming software. We pilot a lot of different types of software, and we partner with um, you know startup companies that start all these new different kind of spooling softwares and uh, coordination and clash detection, different softwares, things like that. Um, but we we have consistently worked into our workflow. I mean, we work on Revit. Um, we don't mess with CAD very often. Uh, I mean, I'm good at it. I know it really well. Uh, but uh, that is. Is kind of you know the lesser of the evils that just kind of stays there and lingers for the people who don't necessarily use these 3d modeling Mm -hmm. software so we have AutoCAD um, but Revit's a main tool Navisworks is one of our main tools Um, we also utilize BIM track and um, we're in the process of uh, working with Plannerly have you ever heard of Plannerly
0: I have, yes, but I haven't used it.
1: Okay, so Plannerly is a big tool that we're using now on the consulting side, um, creating standards and workflows and processes. Um, on the BIM execution plan side. Uh, So we have written up an entire BIM execution plan ourselves and created that platform so we can start utilizing it on the consulting side for the owners and the general contractors just to kind of create that structure. Um, So Plannerly is a big thing that we use. Uh, BIM track is huge. Um, We use that consistently um, as an integration with Revit and Navisworks um, for the reason of, of coordination and class detection and then also the reporting opportunities so I've had a couple projects where um, we work directly with the owner uh, to provide these types of information so we'll work at the tail end of the design um, with the design teams directly and I'll run these class reports so the design teams can look at specific things that would cause major issues in the field um, before they actually go into construction. So we're solving a lot of these issues on the design side first, um, and then providing those reports on a weekly basis back to the owner. So the owner's being able to stay involved and stay in contact with everyone instead of just... Waiting to hear at those weekly meetings from the design, the engineering, the architectural side of of what some of these issues are. And maybe they'll get picked up, maybe somebody will miss it, but that provides us as a second set of eyes. Um, And then the BIM track is is used as that report basis, which is really neat. And then um, aside from all of those, the main platform we work as a company is BIM360. So, we utilize BIM 360 for all of our projects, um, even if they're in house. And that's a big advocate for us because of the fact that everyone works remote and me. So, I don't have to create like a VPN or something to get access to the folder structures. Um, we use BIM 360 for our entire folder structure production and all of that. Um, we've constantly been looking at different types of softwares and things to help improve those things. Um, but, my director specifically, Jacob, he has, I've never seen someone in my life who has done so much to integrate different types of software to work together. I've, it's amazing. Like we have BIM track automatically tracking issues and updates, but then it, We use um, a Revit exporter tool that automatically exports views to Navisworks to report back to track and then I just update the clashes, and it automatically creates the report, and everything is so automated for us, um, and then it all communicates back to BIM 360. So uh, the kind of automation that we've created within our team is incredible. But yeah, those are the major software platforms that we use. Yeah, that's
0: I love when people use the tools as they're intended to be used like that and you Mm -hmm. have them run automatically. Yeah, it's Um, neat. Takes a little bit of time sometimes to set it up, but it saves everyone time. It's Mm -hmm. really, it's amazing.
1: That's really cool. I mean, he's constantly trying to figure something else out that's really neat. So it's cool. I like it a lot. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So... Would you say that the majority of projects that you touch, you do touch before they're in construction and you're helping not not with the design, but while designs happening?
1: Um, In my 10 months of being there so far, I would say yes. we're trying more and more to get involved involved a lot sooner so rather than after bidding for construction we're trying to get ahead of the game and work directly with design Um, and then being contracted with the owner then that produces us as you know a, an advocate for the owner and now we're working with the architectural and engineering side you know through design to help them produce a better quality design model that's still i mean i know that design models are used as design intent and the engineering is there but but we need to take it to an extra step and be like, okay, well, this wouldn't be constructable whatsoever. This is a big issue that we have to fix up ahead. And so, yes, I would say that most of what we do is, is, is ahead of the construction. Um, not necessarily, sometimes we get involved after 100% CDs, but it's still far enough ahead to be able to produce um, these issues and fix them before they're built and become an issue on the site. Yeah.
0: Early enough that it, Mm -hmm. it works well. So you did give a little bit of a rundown of how the process works. Um, but can you walk through a process for what you would follow on a project after it lands in your lap?
1: Um, sure. So Typically, what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll set up the initial job through BIM 360, create the Revit models, create our links, you know, combined everything into what we call um, a datum file. Um, it's not necessarily like we don't take the design model and then just use that. What we do with it is um, we typically remodel everything. So we'll create this datum file that creates our exporter views that go to Navisworks. So we have this datum file that links all the design models in together, and then we create the views to export those out. Well, in the process of doing all that, we also have our trade, like mechanical, electrical plumbing models. And then um, typically we start converting those and creating those for fabrication. So we create these fabrication models that have a lot higher detail, constructability, um, dimensional, you know, bottom of duct dimensions, elevations, you know, those types of things, um, turning vanes, you know, those types of things in your mechanical models and, and your trade models. Um, so once that initial setup is done, then we go through and re-review what the construction documents show. So um, we have specific tools that we use still like I mean, you know, Bluebeam or um, BIM360 platforms that you can create, red lines and compare those to what's in the model um, and communicate that way. Um, sometimes we get design models where people still have the old way of thinking, okay, well, I don't want you to touch anything in my model. I'm deleting all my views, all my sheets, you know, anything that's not necessary for you to have. And, and which makes it a little more difficult because when you're comparing the CD set to some of these models, you want to see the actual views where those were created from. So you can see what they're looking at and see what they're trying to depict on those drawings. So it's the review of the construction documents compared to the model, and then we start modeling everything. And then um, typically, if we're used as a consultant to model for the trade and become part of the project, um, then that's what we do to compare and create for fabrication and start communicating with the trades. If we're the actual consultant that is running the coordination for the entire job, then you know, we start creating the platform where everyone's going to be linking in their models to BIM 360 and utilizing this. Then we create that datum file again to export specific views to Navisworks. And then those Navis models um, are utilized for coordination meetings. And then we run BIM track issue, you know, issue tracking and then the reports and, and then that communication level is just a little different than if you're just the consultant for the trade. So, and then once that is all done and complete, then we, you know, if, if our contract depicts that we're gonna be running the facilities management side, then we have different types of softwares to help with that facilities management tracking. Um, I haven't had a chance to use those yet, but um, we do have different types of software and um, things that we're, we've, we've been looking at and utilizing um, on the, the facilities management side which is cool, but that's basically the rundown of how we utilize everything.
0: Yeah, that's definitely great. Um, So you're in a fairly new role, um, based on what you know about the role that you're in and how it's constantly developing with software and some of the things you haven't touched yet. How do you see your role growing or your career growing
1: from Um, that? the next step for my career is to, um, well, I've, I've touched base in every part of the industry. Um, which the next big one was really getting involved with the owner. So continuing the coordination and BIM coordination consulting on the owner side is kind of the big goal that I have for myself because I've done it on the engineering, the architectural side, which is the design side. Then I've done it on the con- um, the general contracting side. And then I've done it on the subcontracting side. So the next step is the owner. So um, being provide you know to the owner and stakeholders, I wanna be a big advocate for them. Um, but specifically within, uh, my role with the company, they're going to be starting to move me into more of a, uh, uh, a manager type role eventually, and start, um, running my own projects with my own teams. Um, and then also being more involved in bidding and, um, cost implications and, um, how we run those types of things together. Uh, so that's, my next step. And so um, they're also wanting me to try and expand what we do from the East Coast. They want me to try and pull it into New Mexico since I'm here and, and on site. So that'll be the next step is, is working with um, some of the GCs and owners and subcontractors here in New Mexico too. So, nice. It's, yeah.
0: It sounds like there's a lot of room for growth and opportunity then
1: yeah saying. just just like all the the software keeps changing yeah. my role keeps changing too <laughs> yeah so much growth
0: and opportunity and I think I guess it's really nice that you can see what the future could be without having to leave because you have support in that role
1: oh yeah and I've you know MME like they're the the con- Company specifically, I mean, even those stakeholders and, you know, the VPs and president of the company, they're very big into supporting the technology side. So that company itself also has a BIM department like BMP does, uh, Bridgers and Paxton. So they have their own BIM department when it comes to the design side and their Revit models where we're treated as a completely different department that constantly traits on the construction and facilities management side, um, which is really cool. Um, So I don't actually communicate very much with anyone on the BIM side from the engineering side of the firm. Mm -hmm but but yeah our department is relatively small there's five of us in our department but i've never seen people put out so much work in my life and then everyone having like everyone they um, jacob has hired has had direct field experience so they've worked with subcontractors and general contractors and have done the coordination um um, four of these guys have actually been uh, three of these guys have actually been building on site before so they all know what it is and what it takes that's what makes it really neat for our department because we all have actual field experience which is cool
0: yeah that's that's awesome it's really great to see that uh you can take your skills turn them and still have them benefit everyone involved gives a great background Mm -hmm. do you feel like there's anything that i should have asked but didn't
1: Um, no, other than, you know, I do work in a male dominated field and it is a constant struggle being a woman in that field. Um, you know, it's definitely, and let's see, I've been doing this for almost 12 years now. I, it's been a learning curve for me to understand how to communicate on the design side, how to communicate with people on the construction side. And, you know, it it's, it's a completely different aspect when you're trying to understand how to talk to field guys, how to get these guys to understand that what you do is a benefit to them. It's not taking their jobs away, but it's the communication and forefront as a person, you know, and I'm, I'm constantly misperceived as being this, this girl that, you know, I'm judged for my looks. I'm judged the way I speak. And so uh, trying to prove yourself consistently that you know what you're doing, you know what you can provide and the know, you know that the help that you can provide to these people will be of benefit to them. So that's, um, that's a never ending uh, struggle on my side. I mean, it's a challenge for me and I think that's why I'm so good at what I do is because I'm like, I don't, you know, I'm not going to treat you differently for who you are, but you're treating me differently, whether you mean to be or not, you know, and I'm going to prove you wrong kind of thing. And so I think the aspect of wanting to prove yourself makes me that much better, even though unfortunately we shouldn't have to do those types of things, but it does, it happens. I mean, it's just kind of the way things are. And I don't see those types of things changing very often. I mean, yes, like I do turn into a girly girl when I rely on my husband to start building things for me when I know (laughs) in the back of my mind, well, I can do this, but do I have to? No, I don't have to.
0: (laughs) I can, but I have other stuff that I'd rather be doing right now. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um,
0: So based on that, do you feel like you're currently supporting or can start supporting women who are interested in similar roles to yours?
1: of course I mean I've worked with a few uh women in my industry that do what I do and they're all rock stars they all do really well it's just trying to produce that voice for yourself and make yourself known you know and I would always I mean I always try and encourage people to do and push and especially in our industry and what I've done I never thought I never thought when I started at Bridgers and Paxton, I thought I was going to retire there. So I never thought that I would be where I'm at today. And, but having that open mind and the ability to just kind of be willing to learn the new stuff, be willing to put up with some of the crap that you women as us do in the industry um, and learning how to push forward with that and learn from it. Um, the, honestly, there's no limit. There really isn't. That's great. Yeah.
0: So if anyone is interested in connecting with you, where can they find you?
1: They can find me at McVeigh and Mangum um, uh, through my email or LinkedIn. Uh, I have my LinkedIn page. Uh, I don't have any other social media other than LinkedIn. And I do have a Twitter account, but it's all strictly for work. So I don't use anything on a personal basis for social media. So um, I have my LinkedIn, my Twitter, and then um, of course you can always contact me through uh, Colleen McVeigh and they'll get you patched in to me.
0: Awesome, thank you so much, Caitlin. It was great talking to you.
1: it was great talking to you too, Casey.
0: Thank you so much for listening in on this episode with Caitlin. You can find her contact info in the show notes. Starting this podcast has been a really great part of my 2020. So thank you to everyone who has been listening and sharing. If you haven't yet, you can rate, review, and subscribe using Apple Podcasts or subscribe using whatever podcast service you listen to. It helps this show grow and find more people. I'll see you all in two weeks with another great episode.